Anyways, um, what we have to go over today, though, it's not going to be long, but it's critical. It's really, really critical. And I, I want you to get this. The Holy Spirit wants you to get this. Can everybody hear me okay? Is it okay? Um, he wants you to get this because of what he's doing in our lives. It's important to recognize not only what he's doing in the moment, but that he has not stopped doing it. Does that make sense? Okay, we, we as, as Jeff said, we've had many things that the Holy Spirit has been doing in ignition and, and telling us he's doing and, and these prophecies of what is coming. But good old American minds look at that and think, wait a second, it's, it's been a month, it's been two months, it's been a year, it's been three years, this hasn't happened yet. Oh wow, we were wrong. Or was I wrong? And what you need to understand is that timing is our problem, not God's. Okay, timing is, is not of him, it is of us, because we're bound by time. But he, I'll take it even one step further. The thing that's tough is, is when things go different than what you expect. Now all of a sudden we have these trials in our lives, we don't understand why they're there, Wait a second, maybe I was wrong on this other stuff. It's important to get this, what we're going to be talking about this morning, because it plays into that understanding of the way God looks at something. See, God loves you very much. God loves you so much, he gave his only son to die for you. He gave literally everything that he had. So do you think that his work in you comes to a stop at some point? No. His work in you will never come to a stop. I want you to turn to the book of Acts. And we're in Acts and we're in chapter 4. And remember, just to, just to give you a little, little uh, uh, update as to what we've talked about before. This was when Peter and John had just, Peter just spoken and, and then the, the Pharisees and the, the rulers of, of the temple basically, you know, arrested them, said, you shouldn't be doing this. And, and they said, well, you know, we're going to do what God wants us to do. You could decide if that's wrong, wrong or right. And, and they let them go because they saw this lame man healed. And they saw that they spoke with power and recognized, the scripture said, you can look at it last week, said that they recognized them as uneducated men. In other words, these are not people that grew up in the temple and know how to speak Christianese, right? Okay, they, they recognized that, that these were people that were overtaken by the Holy Spirit. And, and then they let them go, right? And so then uh, Peter and John and those who were with them came back to the rest of the family of God, and that's where we join verse 23. And let's read, beginning at verse 23. Before I read, Father, we pray right now that you fill my mouth with your words. God, I know this point that you want to bring across is so critically important. This actually is, is the critical importance to even how the world views you, God. Help us to get it this morning. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, by the Holy Spirit. They're recognizing it's the Holy Spirit speaking here when David wrote this in the Psalms. He said, why did the Gentiles rage? And the peoples plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed Talking about Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ walked this earth. Verse 27. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus. Whom you anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Along with the Gentiles. And the people of Israel. To do whatever your hand. And your plan had predestined to take place. We're going to stop there for a second. Did you catch what we just read? All these people that were against Jesus Christ when he was on this earth, that were placed there, Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, which was the Romans at that time, and then all the people of Israel that cried out, crucify him. Okay? What what he's saying is those people were brought together to do, verse 28, to do whatever your hand, whatever God's hand and God's plan had predestined to take place. See, not whatever Satan wanted to do. Not whatever Satan's plan was. Not whatever the Pharisees' plan was. See, this goes back outside of our understanding of time and goes back to the very, in in God's mind, way before the beginning, way before man was created. Because God always was, always will be. He always knew what was going to happen. And so his plan included, get this, His plan included his own son to die on the cross. To literally become a man and die on the cross. That word predestined there. I'm going to look up the Greek in it here real quick for you. That word predestined is perizo. And it is basically to predetermine, determine before and to ordain what is going to happen before it happens. In other words, God knows. Understand, we've talked before, and, and you've, you've heard about this idea of predestination. I don't want you to be confused. It is not God's choice for people not to choose him. It is God's choice to do what he needs to do to get people to choose him. Do you understand that? Predestination in knowing what we will choose is a foreknowledge before we were ever created, before we were ever born, procreated I should say, before we were ever born, God knew what we would choose. 
Now the father laid plans then knowing that Adam would sin. That Adam would give away everything. Gave away his birthright. Which was the control of this world. He gave it away. God knew he was going to do that. So before Adam was ever created, God had already put into place a plan. A plan to redeem Adam. To redeem all who came from Adam, which is you and I. See, there was already a plan in place. This was not a reaction from something else. And man, we just, we think in terms of reaction. You know, I've been struggling with these hurricanes. That may sound silly, but I've been struggling with these. Because it's hard to figure out, okay, God, is this, is this of you? Is this not of you? Is this Satan? Does Satan really have this kind of power? And, and by the way, you can see it both ways. Because there are circumstances both ways in the Word of God. But when you take it up another tier, another level, you understand that everything, okay, get me, everything is under the Father. Everything is under His control. So does that mean that He chooses to bring those about? That's a tough one. Does that mean He chooses to bring these difficult things in our lives about? I think there's a fine line there. Because there's a difference between choosing to have it happen versus choosing to let it happen. I want you to turn to Romans 8. God showed me this just this morning. We're going to start at verse 24. But I want you to think in terms of the Father and how He looks at us his bride, knowing ahead of time, not taking away our choice, but knowing ahead of time who is going to choose. It's important to have that perspective. Verse 24, for, then, for in this hope we were saved, this hope of Jesus Christ. New hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. It's a tough part. Verse 26. Like this, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. See, that is in part what tongues is about. Verse 27, and he who searches hearts, this is the Father, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to what? The will of God. And we know, verse 28, I'm going to end with this. Actually, no, I'll keep going. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. It's important to get that. 
The foreknowledge came before the predestination. Him knowing what you were going to choose came before His plan for you to choose. Does that make sense? God did not sit up there and decide, okay, this person is a yes, this person not, that's a no. They're they're not going to be good anyways. right? He didn't make that choice for us. But being outside of time, he knew what that choice was going to be. Does that make sense? Is everybody with me on this? So because of his foreknowledge of knowing how we would make our choice, he then predestined us to receive Christ. You with me? Not if you're with me. He foreknew what was going to happen. And because of his foreknowing, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you're going to do in 10 seconds. You don't even know. Right? He knows everything that you are going to do, everything that is going to happen, even though we don't. That does not mean that he chose it to come about, especially your salvation, especially you knowing the Lord. It is not that he chose the Lord for you. See, that would, that would nullify love. That would not be love. That would be a puppet. I could grow an android and tell it to love me. Will it? No, it'll obey me. By the way, that's what the, the angels are. Angels don't have the capacity for love. That's why that's the last thing in the world Satan even understands. Because he was never created with a capacity for that love. Because of that, they were not created with the capacity of redemption. Because redemption comes through love. So it's important to understand that through Christ's fore, or through, through the Father's foreknowledge, of knowing what choices will be. He then predestined it to be so. So again, verse 29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What does that mean? He wasn't the firstborn, Adam. Well, technically, actually, uh, Cain, right? He's talking about reborn. The first to rise from the dead was Jesus Christ. That's why he was sent in the flesh. He was sent here to die. As the Father said, and we'll go back to Acts here in a second. And those whom he predestined, which is those who accept Jesus Christ, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now go back to Acts chapter 4. So reading verse 28 again. Remember the Lord had all these people to come against Jesus Christ. And verse 28 says, To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. If you begin to look at your life, as a reaction of things happening to you. It's going to mess you up. It's going to do nothing but take you away from the Lord. 
Because then you judge his goodness on what happens. And that's just not the case. See, we have to understand God looks at things differently. We look at things because we're tied to time. We look at things because we're literally tied to our environment. We, we understand things through, the, through the, the, the lens of our environment here in Ignition. That's why we want, we want to let God change that lens, change that lens to see how he sees But see, God is not working for you to come to him and have this great life right now for the purpose of a great life. How would you feel if time was not an issue for you? If you were outside of time? What would become important to you? Would a moment or a day or a week or a month or 10 years For the sake of time, would that time be important? Or would it be where it takes you? See, for us, yeah, that time's pretty important. You know, I could look back and I could think I just wasted a year of my life. And God looks at it and he says, my goal is not this life. My goal is the life to come. My goal is to prepare your heart for when my son goes down in victory and rules on the earth. Do you know that that's what he's preparing us for? He's preparing you literally to rule. Are you ready? Are you ready to rule? Are you ready to make choices of other people's lives like a judge would? I don't know about you. That's a scary responsibility. That's a scary responsibility even to judge angels. But yet the Bible says we're going to be doing that in the millennium. So see, what God is trying to do is to prepare a bride, not for this world, but to prepare her for ruling with her son, or with his son. That's what he's getting us ready for. So you have to understand that when we see these things happen, I can't tell you if, if these hurricanes are, are from the enemy or from, you know, God, whatever. I do know God allows his will. That's why Jesus said, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, you know, Jesus is probably thinking in his mind, wow, it's so much more simple than you think it is. You don't have to read the mind of God and then pray according to his mind. All you have to say is your will. Your will be done. Because if a natural disaster like that had the effect of drawing people, or, or I'll, I'll, even, I'll even bring it in closer, if something happens in your life that has the effect of drawing you closer to Jesus Christ, Understand that's his purpose. That's his purpose. It's not to hurt anything. It's not to hurt you. Jesus loves you. The Father loves you with everything that he has, everything that he is. He loves you. It breaks his heart when we feel pain. It breaks his heart. It's it's like those of you who are parents understand this. But when you go to discipline a child, boy, it was so much easier for me with Brooke. 
I don't know why. Maybe the first one was easier. And I, I remember, man, when we had a bond, maybe I'm just getting softer in my old age, but in my older young age. Thank you. But but I remember with Yvonne when when Yvonne started to get to the to to the age where where you really discipline and 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 I'm thinking, Lord, you got to help me here. Help her to be good. Cuz I I don't know that I can like be cross at her. I I, I don't know that I can that I could spank her. I I don't know that Now, I know you're listening, Yvonne. And and that doesn't mean you could get away with stuff. <laughs> She's giving me that look like, okay. <laughs> Praise God for moms. Because it wasn't as difficult for mom. <laughs> Actually, it was probably just as difficult as just mom had a lot more uh, strength than that. But But yet it needed to happen. And see, if, if we give the Father our yes, if you tell him, Lord, I, I want what you want, don't be surprised if he puts things or allows things, I should say, to come into your life that are going to be challenging, that are going to be difficult, that are going to make you wonder, why are you doing this to me? But it's important to recognize First of all, it isn't him doing it, but it is him allowing it. That's a hard thing to to really understand. But then oftentimes, and and I'm speaking in terms of like, like the hurricane coming, whatever, but more times than not, it's something we do to ourselves. It's something that we bring into our own lives through some kind of authority, through whether like what Jeff was talking about, whether it be coming here without expectation, coming here because you're just looking forward to going out to lunch afterwards, and 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 I'm I'm speaking to young people a lot here because it's easy to just want to be a part of something. If you're here to be a part of just to be a part of something, you're missing the whole thing. Because it's not about being a part of Ignition Church. It's not about going to, you know, the fun times that that we have, that our young people have and everything else. It's about really coming to know who Jesus Christ is and what he does in our lives. See, if you're not coming with that intention, you're missing the whole thing. So what happens? What happens when you come... Even if you don't realize that's kind of my intention, I, I just feel good there, and I, you know. But Lord, I give you my yes. Praise God, you give him your yes. But don't you think he's going to answer you? If you say, God, I give you my yes, do you think then that all of a sudden we're going to have all the money we need? My car's not going to break down. Nothing's going to go bad in the house. My kids are going to obey. All of these things are going to go perfect because I give you my yes, God. Well, if you think that's the case, then you've really been listening to something different than what I've been saying for the last couple of months. Because look at the Gospels. Look at each of the disciples that gave Jesus their yes. Their life changed. All but John ended in martyrdom. 
You know, they, they, and, and it wasn't like, a, here, you know, take a sleeping pill and then you'll die. This was a rough thing. They were martyred. Not only that, but then they had the privilege of being beaten while they were alive. I mean, recognize what this means. The disciples are no different than any of us. It's not that God chose these 12 that became apostles, and I'm, I'm, repla- I'm replacing uh, uh, the one who betrayed Jesus with Paul. So he, it's not like these 12 are just the superhuman, godly men of the Bible, and they were just different. They're not different. They said, yes, they meant it. And God had a plan because he needed those those men, and not just those 12, but all those 120 that started the church, and then that became thousands and thousands, and even now he needs all of us to do what he planned for our lives. But see, when you say yes, it is not some easy road. And I I know Lex and I talk about this all the time, that all I give is the cost. It's like all I talk about is the cost. And it's, I don't know why. I don't know why. Forgive me if I have not pointed out the benefit. Because the benefit is to be next to God. And, and perhaps I, I feel like that should, should really speak for itself. But see, there's a cost. If you want to rule with Jesus Christ, there's a cost. There's a cost in training. There's a cost in learning who he is. There's a cost in understanding what his mind is. Why? Because he wants your part of ruling to be the same as what his mind would be. We don't just automatically become robots once we die. And it's funny, just the paradigms that change. And I'm speaking for me, but I'm sure it's the same with everybody. These paradigms that that we have growing up, or, or the time, I know there are many in here that are new, new believers, but, but for me, growing up in Christianity, I, I build these paradigms that, you know, I just got to kind of make my way through life, and then, and then when I die, all of a sudden, God just changes me. I become what he wants me to be. And that's the one thing I learned is so false. See, he needs this training time where he trains according to my faith to prepare me for when I am with him, I can rule with him. He wants my mind to be like his mind. That was another paradigm. Okay, well, we rule with him. Well, of course he's going to tell me what to do. If I have to make a decision, he'll tell me what to do physically on this earth when Jesus rules and we rule with him. If that's the case, what's the point of you helping him rule? I mean, really, honestly, why do we need to help him rule if he's going to make every decision? See, that's not how he set it up. He set it up for us to help him rule. That's why not everybody will do it. Because it's only those who seek him to develop his mind, the mind of Christ, that will rule with him because then he can trust us. He can trust us with those decisions. So I know I'm talking about the future, right? So how does that apply to right now? 
Because, see, we've got to trust him. We've got to learn to trust him right now, here. When things come our way that are difficult, I mean, when things come our way that there's just no human way to cope with it, he needs us to trust him. To see and believe what Romans 8 said, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good. See, what God did in Harvey brought a community together. And I don't mean just the community of Texas. I mean the community of the United States. He used that. What Satan intended for evil, God used for good. See, I have to believe that's exactly what he's going to do with Irma. That is beginning to hit Florida right now. And it started early this morning. See, I can't control what God allows. I can pray for his will to be done. And I can have expectation of his will being done. And all that does is spell defeat for the enemy. No matter what destruction happens, look at what happened in Houston. Look at the people it brought together. Look at the people stepping up. And, and not just up to this point. I know now everybody's talking about Irma, so nobody's talking about Houston anymore. It doesn't mean the people on the ground there are not uniting and coming together. You bet they are. You bet churches from all over the country are sending people down and sending resources down, just like they'll do in Florida. So what Satan may have intended for evil, God will work toward good. He'll do that in your life if you let him. The things happening to you that you don't understand, and we've got so many of these. We've cried out, God, why is Carson still dealing with what he's dealing with? Why does he literally have to get up the energy all week to just be here on a Tuesday night? And then it lays him out for a couple days. Why? God said, I work everything to his good, to those who love the Lord. Rest assured, now, now we, we kind of, we have an advantage here. And I believe God's people have an advantage. Those that, that, that allow his voice to speak because he gives us insight as to what's coming. Right? He's told us what's coming. He's told us Carson will be manifested in perfect healing. He's told us that Mineta will be manifested in perfect healing. He's actually told me what Jeff was talking about, what he has with, with this blood sugar level, it's diabetes. It's something can't be cured. Yet God has told us he will manifest in perfect healing. Okay, we do not have to question those things, but we do have to be faithful in waiting for them. Even the falling of the Holy Spirit. Even what he does in your life. Just because you said yes, just because you say, I want your will, does not mean that he takes all the bad 
and pushes it aside. He promises to protect. He promises to do his will in us. That's the real joy. That's the real power. Because that's what paves this road that we're walking that gets us ready to be with him. If I could have anything, just one thing, anything in life, it would be that the moment I breathe my last breath, I'm ready for you. I'm ready for you. That I have maximized my time here in faith for you to prepare me. See, because our time here is just really, really short. We don't have the time like we think we do. And, and especially, it, it, some of us that are older, we, we kind of understand that. Amen. It's like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I heard Joe back there. Amen. I mean, even, even, even myself, I look back on, on the last time, what am I, 35, honey? Yeah. yeah, okay. I look back on the last 54 years and I think, what happened? They go so fast. But young people understand your choices make a difference. Your choices today make a difference. What you choose to give your yes to in saying yes to Jesus Christ, it isn't that you don't step into anything difficult. It's that you step in with faith knowing that he's with you. Knowing that you have his armor that you can put on. Knowing that you can step in boldness. Let's read on. Verse 29. And now, Lord, remember that these people are praying, right? They just made this statement and, and now they're praying. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. These same people that chose to have Jesus Christ hung on the cross. They're saying, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do you see what they're saying there? See, they're saying, we understand the risks. We know that, that there is a force that is against us. A force that does not, that, that comes against God himself. But, give us boldness against that force. Help our voices, help our testimonies not to be silenced because of that force. How about in your own life? Have you been silenced? Or maybe as a young Christian, you, you've, you've not, not come to the point where you've been tested in that way yet. See, it's easy to be silenced because of fear. It's easy to be silenced because you may not know everything. It's easy to be silenced because the enemy is a bully. But I'll tell you what, stand up to a bully and he'll flee. 
Bible says that. You know, when I was in the third grade, I used to get beat up every day. I was actually small when I was younger. I, I, I had a really huge ninth grade year, right? Okay, I think it was my ninth grade year. I used to get beat up every day. I was the only, at least I, that I knew of, the only Christian that went to this public school third grade, and, and I would pronounce that in class because I was pretty proud of it. I thought it was pretty cool, and they didn't think so. <laughs> and so I'd get beat up every day. And come to find out I was actually being set up by my best friend who would hide in the bushes, and he's coming. <laughs> right? Now, the weird thing is, I was one of the smaller kids in class, but it wasn't. that's not why I got beat up. I got beat up because I didn't know that I could fight back. I, and that's not my dad's fault. I just thought, well, you know, Jesus doesn't want me to hurt anybody. And so one day, and they would always be very careful, they hit me where they wouldn't make, you know, make it obvious. And one day I came home, I think it was a bloody lip or something, bloody nose, I don't know what it was. Walked in the door and my mom, what in the world? What happened? So I told her, told her what had been happening and wait till your father gets home. (laughs) Dad comes home and I'm thinking, okay, dad's going to take care of this. And, And dad said, what happened? And I tell him and he goes, what in the world made you think you can't fight back? I never taught you that. I said, okay. So he said, I want you to pick the biggest one next time. I want you to pick the biggest one, and I want you to fight back. Stand up for yourself. Now, I'm sorry, but today's kind of parents would be, we are going into that school. We're going to talk to the teacher. We're going to talk to the principal. We are going to change America. Because this little kid is getting beat up, and we got to stop that. I am so thankful for my father. Who, who taught me that it was within my power to allow the Holy Spirit to work through me. Right? I didn't have to have somebody fight that battle. So the next day, sure enough, here they come. And, and I remember thinking, well, I, I see, I even, I even remember his name. His name is Brent. I remember thinking, he's the biggest one. And so what they would do, it, they had a group leader. The group leader would never, he would, and I know this story's long, sorry. The group leader would never fight me. In fact, it was weird. He'd have all the other people fight me, and then he'd encourage me to fight back. I, I look back at this, and this was such a God lesson. Because even the leader was trying to get me to fight back. And I wouldn't. I'd just stand there and get hit. So I picked the biggest one, and, and he happened to pick that one. Okay, you go first because they'd all take turns on me. He'd go first, and, and so he's coming at me, and, and I just reach around, I grab him by the neck, I throw him down to the ground, I get him pinned to the ground, my knees are on his arms, and I'm just sitting there. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, my dad forgot to teach me how to hit him. I don't know how to hit him. So I just sat there. <laughs> And he's struggling all over the place, and he's trying to get up, and, and he said, let me up. And I'm saying, no. <laughs> and I said, apologize, and I'll let you up. And he would not do that, so he kept struggling. Finally, his, his humility, his lack of humility, finally broke, and he apologized. I let him up, 
And these guys were my best friends after that. <laughs> yeah, go figure. Except the one that really was my best friend, he was no longer my friend. But I want you to, and it, I don't even know why I told that story. Here's the, here's the point, though. Stand up. Stand up to the enemy. Don't be afraid of the enemy. The enemy's a bully. He's a bully, and what you do with a bully is you hit the bully in the nose. Right? You, you do not... Go, and I, by the way, don't go out and look for a bully. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? When a bully comes after you, you stand up to them. That's how it is with the enemy. Do you know he is so afraid of you? And I'll tell you what he's afraid of. He's afraid of you recognizing who you are in Jesus Christ. He is afraid of your authority in Jesus Christ because he knows that you can crush him. Why? Because Jesus Christ is in you and Jesus Christ has already crushed him. So stand up to that bully. So what they're doing here is they're praying for this boldness. They're praying for literally being able to stand up against what's coming at them. What's coming at you this morning? What's in your life that's difficult this morning? If you have nothing difficult in your life, there's plenty of things out in the world. Just look. you got a hurricane coming. You can, you can recognize that. But we all have difficulties in our life. We all have things that the enemy tries to do in our life. Stand up to him. Tell him no. Tell him who, whose child you are. Don't be afraid of him. Because God is trying to develop us into an army. And an army doesn't turn and run. An army doesn't think that, well, we've not been deployed yet, so there must not be a war. No, it's just not our time yet. We will be deployed. We will be used. Every promise that he has told us will come to pass. Don't let the enemy tell you any differently. And when you do that, there's a result that happens. When you say no to the enemy and you put him out of your circumstances and tell him no and tell Jesus Christ yes, something significant happens in your life. And it's this last verse. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You want boldness in your life. Give God your yes and don't be afraid of what comes at you. Because 2 Corinthians 9.8 says there's nothing that will come at you that he does not give you provision for. Now I'm talking about any place in your life. I'm talking financially. I know finances are a difficult thing for people. That was, that was my most difficult stronghold, was finances. But you know, he promised. I had to come to a point where, you promised God, I'm going to just put this on you. You promised, period. I'm going to go have lunch. Right? Put it on him. 
Put it on him. Give him your yes. Give him your boldness. Stand up to the enemy. And let him fill you. And see what he does. You will have encounters through the Holy Spirit that you've never had before. I promise you. You will have that strength through the Holy Spirit that you've never experienced before. And and many of you have experienced huge levels of this. There's not a single one of us that would not experience more. When we stand up to this enemy and we just say yes to God. Just give him your yes. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We praise you. You are Almighty God and You hold in your hand our lives, our hearts. Our hearts are yours. And so, God, I I am so thankful that you give us sight to see what you want to do in us. But oftentimes, God, we're so encumbered by the difficulties in this life even things that come out of nowhere. But God, teach us to stand up to the bully. Because just as you allowed things in Job's life to happen, what you wanted was what he did. You said it at the end. He stayed faithful to you and he stood up to the bully, even through his friends that were telling him he was wrong. He said, no, I have done nothing wrong. He stood up to the bully. He stayed faithful to you. And you brought such power in his life through your Holy Spirit. Nothing has changed in that, Father. Teach us as we give you our yes to be faithful in believing that you will do good in our lives, that you will take everything that happens to us or with us and work it toward good if we love you, the Bible says, if we seek you. So, Father, we seek you this morning, and we love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. in and out even with the stand. Um, it's hard to believe that he went through that and was a, a little kid like that. So I'm going I'm to state the obvious because sometimes he asks me to uh, add a little bit. And one of the things I just want to add is the discerning of spirits, the wisdom and discernment that don't forget in that analogy that Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, evil forces. Sometimes in real life situations, I will feel even that my enemy is Greg himself. If we're having a, you know, now almost 30 years of marriage, you've got to imagine there's some two strong personalities will clash. If we don't know who our enemy is, when you're standing up for yourself, when you're Fighting back, know what that means. That means to fight in the right place in the right way. Because sometimes standing up for yourself and fighting back 
looks like love. The point is we just can't sit back and be apathetic and do nothing. So it's really important that you know what that means. That may be, that may be um, stating the absurdly obvious, but I know with, uh, you know, some people here might take that literally, and, and it's just important that you know that what you think sometimes is your enemy is not. And Satan loves to get our focus off. You know, you might be thinking, man, I need to fight my boss a little more. Man, I need to fight my parents a little more. Be careful because the enemy will get our, our focus and distracted in a way that we're fighting things. And what, what he knows we're doing then is we're just, just hitting the air. We're just, just, you know, going nowhere with that. So we have to be discerning as to how to stand up. But definitely, but use your authority. I always say wielding our authority um, is so significant. And um, that's, uh, that's really, really important because that's a... Uh, that's a great power that God's given us, and most Christians don't use it. Um, they'll sit back and pray. And and um, there was even a, another preacher that spoke recently that I had heard a message on, and a couple others did as well, aligning your human responses. Sometimes you win a victory in the spirit realm in these areas, and you win a battle against the enemy, but it does require a victory to follow in an alignment with the physical realm, the human realm. So sometimes you're fighting a battle that you, you get the victory because you're praying on behalf of that situation, but it also requires that you actually speak up. You know, if you're praying about a situation that you need victory over, maybe a, a conflict, you can be praying for that person, but you also may need to go to them and actually humanly speak to them and make amends. So there are, uh, there's just a lot of wisdom that's involved in this, but, um, but I just want to encourage you, um, you take advantage of the podcast. And the, um, the videos that are online. And listen again to the messages. If you think, oftentimes you think you remember. Now, I honestly, unless, some of you may be doing it on your, on your phones. But I don't, I rarely see people taking notes. And I'm telling you, if you think you're going to remember it, you're just not. I really want to encourage you. Take some, when something comes to your mind and it sits well, it, it just, it hits you in your spirit. That is something you want to write down, you want to remember, take notes on that. I do hope that you either journal or do something, but listen again because your brain, there have been study after study after study, it only retains about 10%, um, unless your memory is jogged at another time, it only retains about a general 10% of a message or, or a particular talk that you've heard. So I just encourage you to utilize that and, um, and listen again because the Holy Spirit's in it, man. He will use it. He will speak to you a fresh word even if you listen to the message all over again.